0: We, we are in a fun series that has just really been a, a fun time to walk through. What does it mean to be the church? What does it mean for us to actually say we are a part of this thing that's bigger than us? We don't control it. We don't own it. It's all God's. He said, I will build my church, but we get to be a part of it. So for the last three weekends, I've been talking about the church, and today I get to talk about the church and its mission. <laughs> Anytime I say the word mission uh, or someone's mission, I don't know, this is like from the time I was a little kid. We had a kind of a tradition in the Northrop home that on Saturday nights we would spend as a family together before we would go to church on Sunday. And my mom, I have four sisters, and so my mom would curl all their hair in those big curlers, like this big. They had long hair. How many ladies know what I'm talking about here? Yeah. So, so we would have the TV on and we would watch a show two shows, one called Mannix. How many of you remember that? Okay, good, good. I'm not alone here. Yep. And then the other one was called Mission Impossible. And I mean, I loved that show. And I can still remember, I can still remember, I always loved the beginning. You never wanted to miss the beginning because the guy goes into a secret place somewhere and finds a cassette player you know and, and it's a mystery and how he gets it and he goes someplace isolated and he hits the button and he gets a message of his mission and it tells the bad guys and what they're going to do and what they're going to try to accomplish and then somewhere toward the end it says this your mission Jim remember Jim it was Jim I think your mission Jim should you decide to accept it remember that how many remember that on there That was always on there. And that's the message I want to say today right here in this room. Our mission, the mission of the church, should we decide to accept it, is a big mission. And it matters most of anything else on this earth. See, in a nutshell, let me just say how this works. First of all, personally, we are connected to God through his son, Jesus. Maybe you haven't walked with the Lord very long or you have questions about how all this works. In a nutshell, what we believe is that God sent his son to this earth through Virgin Mary. He grew up, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and that guarantees you to have a personal relationship with God. Not just religion. I don't care for religion. But a personal connection with God. Why? Because God the Father now sees you with the blood of Jesus atoning for your sin which was always required through sacrifices in the Old Testament that's why Jesus is called the Lamb of God who was slain so he became that Lamb of God slain for our sin so that we can have personal relationship with God but there's more this isn't a ministry just about you and God and living happily ever after this is a mission about God's church, so that when all those people who have prayed that prayer and become disciples of of the Lord and followers of Jesus, we make up what is called the church. And the church, when it does what the church is supposed to do, it changes the world. It changes the poor, the orphans, the hurting, the broken, the sick. It changes everything when we are healthy. How many of you know a healthy church makes a big difference in a community? How many of you know that an unhealthy church makes a big problem in a community? Yeah, it's absolutely right. And so we are really wanting to be healthy as a church, and we're working on it. We're looking at every angle possible to make sure we're giving you the right things for the right reasons. So here's what happens. Jesus has done all of his ministry on the earth. He's done. He's died. He's been resurrected from the dead. And he's having a final meeting. It matters what he he says. And this is what scholars call the Great Commission. Jesus didn't call it that, but that's how it's known through time because it's the moment in which Jesus says, now this is what you guys, meaning the disciples who are following him, this is what you're called to do. So it's like he takes him alone and he he makes this statement in Matthew 28, 19. I'm going to read it. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I love this part. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. Not just know where you are, but I am with you in all of those moments and we'll talk about what that really means that's why it's called the Great Commission number one in your outline we need to understand several things before we can really do the Great Commission number one is that all authority all authority is actually given it's not taken I think that's why it's powerful and it's necessary for us to review what Jesus said when he actually says to his disciples all authority is given me who who gave him that authority by the way God the Father. But he didn't just take it. It was given to him. You know you may be someone's boss but it doesn't mean they've given you authority to speak into their life. You you may be able to boss them around and they have to do what you say out of fear but it doesn't mean they've said I trust you speak into my life. I, I love the story of a family that went out to dinner and and they had several kids, and they had one little boy who was testing everything, you know, in that moment. And, and so he's standing on the, in the, the, the bench that goes around the booth, and he's standing up, and his dad leans over and says, son, sit down. And he shakes his head no. And, of course, all the siblings are looking at him and looking at dad, and people are watching. And so his dad calls him by name and says, I said, sit down. So his dad slides around, grabs him by the arm and says, you better sit down right now or you're in big trouble. And so he slides down in the seat, hits his bottom on the chair and turns to his sister and says, in my heart, I'm still standing. The, the reason we relate to that is because sometimes there might be someone with authority over us, but we're not going to do what they say. Why? Because we don't respect them. Maybe we respect their office, but they haven't earned the right to tell me what to do. There's all kinds of stuff like that. Jesus leads the way by saying, all authority has been given to me, and now I'm going to release my church on the earth, and you're going to go build it, and you're going to go make a difference with it. So we must know that we are given authority. And I I guess I ask this question. Are you at a place in your life, really think about this, where you have said to someone you trust, I give you authority to speak into my life. I want to be tackled if I'm running the wrong way. And what happens so often is you try to correct someone and they just cut you off. I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me what to do. What? Wait a minute. We should be the people who have a sensitivity to trust people and friendship in our life to where we can actually say, look, I thank you for talking. Thank you for saying the hard thing to me. I've told our team, look, if you don't tackle me and I'm running the wrong way, then I'm going to be mad when I get up. (laughs) Because I want someone to tackle me if my attitude is wrong or something isn't right in my life. Matter of fact, all of our pastors here at Timberline, they go through quite a training process. And part of that is a meeting with me at the very end when they've met with a bunch of other people and we just talk about role and expectation and it's a wonderful time and friendship and what that means. And one of the last things I do is I look them in the eye and I say, listen, this is a team. Um, we're going to have a lot of, of moments together where we, we're talking about big stuff and big things and I just need to know if you will give me authority to really speak into your life. And, and they, they have always said yes. And then I say, I want you to know that I give you authority to speak into my life. Because if I have an attitude that, that you see if something's wrong, I want you to be able to come to me without fear of being scolded. I want to know if you think I'm not living the kind of life I need to be living. And I think when you have that understanding, the team gets stronger. And suddenly we can be developing one another as the church. Our motto as a church is let love live. I remember when that was birthed in me, it was, it was, I was reading the passage where they said to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Remember this? What did he say? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought, that's let love live. If we could let love live in everything we do, in our personal lives, in our relationships, and in our neighborhoods, that's loving God first and it's loving people. That's what we need to do. Our mission statement as a church is that Timberline Church exists to lead people into transforming relationships with Jesus Christ and with others. That means that we are committed to doing this thing not alone, but together. Why? Because we are better together. One of the core values that we have as a church is simply that we value being respectful of people's journey. You know, not everyone was raised like you. Not everyone likes the same food groups you like. People have reasons for becoming who they are. People are different socially. I was in a group this past week where they were a bunch of huggers. I mean, everybody was hugging. It was almost a hippie revelation. Um, revolution. I, I I love hugging. I'm a hug guy, so I get that. But I mean, wow. It, it was a little much. And then you get the, you get the person who really kind of, when they talk to you, they kind of violate your space, like their head's right here. How many know what I'm talking about? And They don't realize it. And so you kind of get your knee working out there. Like, <laughs> Why? Because their, their environment is different than yours. We're not all the same. That's the point. But we're in the same church and we're on the same team. So I want to respect your journey. I don't know what's happened to you in your life. I just know that people have become wounded. They've been hurt. Uh, Seeds have been planted in people that are are hating God. They've had horrible experiences with their father. So Father God is just an illusion. They can't even imagine having a Father God. All these things add up. So at Timberline, we say we respect your journey, and we care about that. Everyone has a story. We really value being relational and building bridges to our community. That's why we do so many things outside the walls of the church. And we're going to continue to do that in 2017. We're going to continue to be relevant and communicating truth. I want this to be a church where when you walk out of here, you're not just saying, oh, nice talk. I want it to be a church where you have something deposited in your soul and you are confronted in love with some truth and you also are inspired by God through the Spirit to live another day to believe for God to get out there and make a difference in the kingdom of God that's what Timberline is all about we sometimes on our teaching team we say let's let's teach for Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday let's teach that it makes a difference in someone's life in that office in that home let's make sure dads and moms and kids let's talk to families let's talk to singles Let's make sure that this is a place where it's current and alive. We also want to be very real in living and teaching. You guys, authenticity is such a value, and it's so hard to live it out. Do you think it's an overstatement to say everyone has a little bit of hypocrisy in them? Even if you're working on it, you know, sometimes I think we sort of know what I'm working on, and I'm not fully living that out, in my attitude or my actions or or whatever it is, or I'm, I'm caught in a bad way someday, and I, I say some things I shouldn't say, and I realize it, and I catch myself. We all have that kind of that tendency, and that's, that's why we're here. You know, when people say, well, the church is filled with hypocrites. Yeah. Yeah, just glare at your neighbor. <laughs> but, but we're working. We're working on saying, that might be a little bit true, but I'll tell you what, I care about my integrity, and I care about the character in which I'm living with, and my word is good. And I'm learning from God how to live this, and I'm I'm shoring up that gap, and uh, and I care about that. We care about that, don't we? Man, I got to keep moving. How many know I'm still on point one? Okay, point two. What is the making of a disciple? I'll go fast for these next two or three here. What is the making of a disciple like? What does that really mean to when Jesus says, "Hey, go make disciples"? Okay, what does that mean? You know you get some flour and some milk and some yeast and you cook something up how do you make a disciple well it says therefore go and make disciples in all nations one of the 14ers that we have and by the way we we're doing all the 14ers this year and probably next year as well one of them is apprentice and I don't know if we have any master electricians in here but I was just reading a thing about about uh, what it takes to become a master electrician and and what a journeyman is as a student as a learner It could be years and years and years of following in the footsteps of a master electrician before you get the opportunity to take the test and be called a master electrician same way in ministry these disciples were following their rabbi and that was a real thing people had rabbis that they learned from and they were loyal to and sometimes they would actually step in the steps that their rabbi was stepping in why because they wanted to emulate everything that that rabbi was about question if I'm following Jesus and you're following me are you following Jesus it's worth thinking about I think that's why Paul said follow me as I follow Christ he's saying I'm working at this enough in my life that you can trust my lifestyle you can trust how I'm living it doesn't mean I'm perfect but it means that I'm I'm pressing on I'm trying to do what God wants me to do And I like this idea of apprenticeship in our church. Let's keep that attitude of learning and growing and get in that group and get to that Bible study and let's develop our lives. Number three, baptism has to do with identity. This in the text is kind of that commissioning statement that has to do with water baptism. And it's a command. So if you've not been baptized in water since you've accepted Christ, I would love to help baptize you. We have a baptism sign up today. Uh, right out in the mall. And then we have a class next week. And if you want to wait till July 29th, we're going to be at Horsetooth and you'll get to experience the cold water. It's wonderful. I love baptisms at Horsetooth. But we do it almost monthly around here. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why is that? That's the Trinity viewpoint of God, which is what we are as a church. And you are identifying with the Godhead. Baptism means when you go down into the water that's a symbol of burial as Jesus was buried when you come up out of the water it's a symbol of resurrection and so there's a powerful moment there though it's just physical there's a powerful moment of you putting a new line in the sand and saying i'm identifying my life with this godhead and i am trusting that the rest of my life will be i will be observing those principles and those characteristics that's what baptism is all about. Number 4, learning obedience. Obedience is learned, by the way. And and that's something we have to think about and talk about. In verse 20 it says, "Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you." Well, first of all, we're mandated to teach them. Secondly, to teach them, you need to know what the commands are. Would you agree? And so is it our business should it be important to us to say, I want to know what the commands of God are? That's partly what we're going to do this year, too, in our journey of bringing out those things that we need to be pursuing with all of our heart and teaching new disciples. Training happens by, by repetition. It happens by learning I, or trust. Now, I have to tell you, the other day I was in a, <laughs> I was in a unique situation where I had, I love smartphones, I don't know how they do it, but when they started getting navigation on your phone and you can go to a brand new city you've never been in and just plunk in an address or say it and it just takes you there, that's like a miracle. I feel like I'm being led by the Spirit, you know. I'm going to name my phone Jesus, I think. (laughs) I got to tell you, I haven't said this all weekend, but I told my phone one time, I told Siri, I said, call me sweetheart. And so we're going down the road, and uh, I asked her a question, and Bonnie sit there, and she says, okay, sweetheart. <laughs> so I said, don't call me sweetheart anymore. But anyway, I, I asked her where this place was, and, and it came up on this map and had a dot and go, you know. And so I'm like, and I have to tell you, I'm pretty good with directions. I've been on the mountains a lot of my life and camping, and so I typically have a feeling about where north is. And, and I knew from a bigger map I had seen I had to end up going northwest. And, and she was taking me southeast. And I'm like, this is wrong. And, and she said, turn right. And I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't turn right. It, it would violate my conscience. It would be a sin. No, I'm kidding. would not that strong. But I, I didn't. I turned left because I thought I got to go north. Well, I, I turned south. I didn't know it. She was right. I was wrong. So she kept saying, turn around. Turn around. Make a U-turn. Finally she said, you idiot, do what I say. No, she didn't. I was waiting for that. She did sound irritated in her voice, though. One of the things that I have to learn is how will I follow the voice of God? How will I discern it? How will I know it's Him? And how aggressive will I pursue what he is calling me to do. You guys, that's everything for us in 2017. What does that mean in your life personally? What does it mean for the church in the world? Because there are some fertile soils out there in the world, and Timberline better be all about that. That's why we're sending people. That's why we have mission trips. It's why we give. It's why we go. It's why we pray. It's why we do all of these things, because all of those things matter. Right now, we're we're training 23 kids in Joy Team they have 17 weeks of learning biblical theology and doctrine, and then they have eight weeks of developing people skills, and then they are released to help help other kids. Some of those kids are yours, and you should be proud of them. Why? Because we believe in discipling. Number five, let's be confident about the Lord's presence. This is a pause moment. In the story, when I think Jesus really has said everything big that he wants to say in terms of the going. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing in the name of Jesus. Then it's like he stops and says, hey, lean in just a little bit here. And then he says, be sure of this. Anytime Jesus says, be sure of this, it's an emphasis. Be sure of this, I am with you always. Not, I know where you will be, I know where you plan to go, but I will be with you always. That's a game changer. He is with us in life. He is with us in sorrow. He is with us in grief. He is with us in the good days and the bad. He is with us. What a message he wanted to put as one of the last things he said to us as his church we have a plaque in our home and it's about this big and it has Latin words on it and I don't read Latin but I do know what it says and it says bid him or not God is here do you know that every atheist in this community the presence of God is still in their house God is everywhere aren't you glad though they might not like him He really likes them. And he's constantly trying to plant seeds. That's where the church comes alive is because we are called to help plant those seeds and water them and love people and encourage them so that this thing called the church is living. Dick Foth tells a story. Dick's on our teaching team here. Tells a story of Dr. Richard Halverson who was a Senate chaplain for years in Washington, D.C., a really amazing man. He told Dick, he said, In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, when Jesus says he appoints his disciples to be with him, he took the time to study that word with, and he said it changed the entire trajectory of my ministry because I saw the value of what it means to go with people. Not for them, not instead of. But with them on the journey And it started me thinking about How we as a church like Timberline Are going to make sure that we have the with That we're going to do some things together That we have people locking arms Saying let's trust God Proverbs thirteen twenty says Walk with the wise Walk with the wise And become wise Associate with fools And you'll get into trouble Man it's so true Guys, let's put wise people in our lives. The last thing that I want to say is that we're on a timeline. I'm not crazy about, like, like, this statement, it bothers me a little bit, but Jesus said it. His last thing was, even to the end of the age. Now, he's saying that in the sense of I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But he's, that reference means that it's, it's going to end, right? Right? And, and we hear things like we're living in the last days. I don't know what that means. I just know that someday God's going to restore his kingdom on this earth, right? We don't know when, though. But if it's not in our lifetime, we're going to die. Would you agree? All of us. That's one thing we can we can count on. We will all die if that doesn't happen in our lifetime. So we're on a timeline, and the clock is ticking. And, and sometimes I don't like timers. I don't know why. But like you'll set, you're boiling an egg or something, and you set a timer, and I'm always like, running in there to see if it's, like, almost to go off. <laughs> Anybody else, even my alarm, I'll like, I'll, like, this morning, I was, like, it was, like, 5 o'clock, and I was, like, <laughs> peeking over on my nightstand so I could, I could beat the alarm, you know, because I didn't want it to go off. And, and we're, we're, we're kind of in a crunch here. We're kind of in a hurry. We kind of need to be doing what we're doing, uh, and we need to do it well. And it reminded me of a story that I want to tell you about my dad. And I don't tell very many stories about my dad because I don't, I don't have that many. I have a lot as a kid in our home, but yeah, a ministry story. Because he died young. He died when he was 41 years old in 1971. And I was 14. I have four sisters, uh, 18 down to nine. I'm in the middle. So it left our family in a quandary. But my dad gave me some of the best memories as a kid from ages about 10 to 14 while he was dying of cancer. We used to hop in the car on Saturday mornings in Grand Junction, Colorado, West Slope. How many of you know where that is? I loved growing up over there. It was a great place. And he would always take me over to, to business owners. Like if it was a car lot with someone's name on it, the owner would come out and he would know my dad. And I'm like, how do you know all these people? But he just did. And these are not people that were part of our church. But we would get some donuts, and we would go, and we would just take them around. And he, we would just spend time in their office. They would go kick the tires. We would go into sporting goods stores. We would, we would talk, and, and he always knew the owners of all these businesses. He was just very relational. People just liked him naturally. It was his way of building bridges to people. And I'd get in the car, and this one guy, I always remember him because he always had a big old fat cigar in his mouth. We were talking, and I would say to my dad, Dad, he was smoking. And my dad would say, oh, son, don't worry about that. That's something that the Lord can take care of later. He's a good man and a good heart, and we're just going to love on him. And, and I, I, so many, week after week, we would do this. Well, Gene Taylor, if you've ever grown up and been around Grand Junction back in the day, Gene Taylor's was the first big box like Cabela's store on the Western Slope. He had a big vision for outdoor gear, from guns to sporting to hunting equipment, all kinds of tents, camping, huge Before these other big box stores even existed, that was Gene's vision, and my dad got to know Gene, hunted with him, traveled with him, did some trips, didn't come to our church. I don't even know if he was a man of faith, to be honest with you, but I just remember lots of talks in in Gene Taylor's sporting good. So kicking it forward now, I go to college 76 through 80, go back to Denver for five years as a youth pastor. I get invited. In 1985, to go be a youth pastor, 14 years later, after my dad has died, he's buried in Grand Junction. So I walk into that church. I loved that ministry because I had the same coaches were there, my teachers. I had inroads to high schools. It was a very fruitful time. And our youth ministry just started growing like crazy. And there was a building right across the street from our church that was empty because it was the old Gene Taylor's building. And they had built a new big box, and I thought, I need, to, I need to see if we can rent that. I'll lease it for a fair price. So I call up Gene Taylors. Could I have five, ten minutes with Gene just to ask him about that building over on Grand Avenue? So he said, sure, or they said, sure. So I show up at the time I am. I walk in. I walk over. I said, hi, Gene. I'm Derry Northrup. I won't take a lot of your time, but you have a building over there on Grand Avenue that I'd love to lease at like a fair price, uh, whatever you would say. I know it's been vacant for a while. And it's like he never heard anything I said. His head's down and he's looking like he's staring. And then he looked up at me and he said, what did you say your last name was? And I said, "Uh, Northrop. And he said, "Um, you wouldn't by chance be related to Buck Northrop, would you? And I said, and by the way, anybody that called my dad Buck, knew him really well and had a lot of time with him because that was kind of his outside name. And I, and I said, Gene, that was my dad. And his eyes welled up with tears. And yeah. It was like he didn't know what to say. And I said, you've got this building over there on Grand Avenue that <laughs> is really a nice building, and I would, I would really enjoy uh, leasing that from you at a fair price. And, and he just stopped me again and he said, you know, your dad was a special friend to me. And we had a lot of memories. We had a lot of talks, and he cared about my kids, and he cared about my marriage. One time we went through this thing, and he just—he was an amazing guy. That's great, Gene, but you've got this building, and I tried like three times. I tried to get him going, and he just wanted to talk about my dad. So finally, I just gave up. I just said, "We're gonna talk about my dad," and he just went off and told some stories, and it was really meaningful to me, and it touched me deeply. And then. And then he said, finally, he said, Oh, did you want to talk about that building over there on Grand? I said, Yeah. And he gets up from his desk, walks back behind it. I hear some keys rattling around. He walks over. He has a key in his hand, he, and he's doing this like he wants me to go like this. So I hold my hand out, and he drops a key right in the middle of my palm. And he says, That's the key to the building on Grand Avenue. Why don't you use it as long as you want? No charge. This one's on your dad. My dad had been in the ground for 14 years, but the seeds he had planted lived on. Let's pray. Lord, it matters the things we say, it matters the people we love, it matters the heart we bring. It matters. I pray today for the soft touch of your spirit in this place to roam through the hearts of men and women and to touch them to heal them to let faith and hope come alive Lord I pray that we would never forget we are called by you to be the church help us to be seed planters help us to be conversationalists Help us not to trip over ourselves and focus only on us. But help us to go into all the world with this message. With heads bowed in here, I just want to give you an opportunity if you're separated from God. I'm talking about the personal relationship stuff. It's why Jesus came and he loves you so much. The Bible just says if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That means I say, I'm sorry, God. I believe you're the son of God. You died for me and, and your blood was spilled so mine doesn't have to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking that by faith that it's true. And I trust you. That's what you say right here, right now. That puts you in eternity with God. But it also starts a process of being a disciple and a follower in the beginning of someone who believes in the church. And you have work to do on this earth with us. And we're going to be about that. I wonder, and I don't want you to raise your hand to this, but I wonder if there would be those who would just say, I know I need other voices speaking into my life. Even the stuff I may not want to hear. Lord, put the right people who love me in my life and help me to be wise enough to pay attention to their message. You may have sent them, Lord. And I'm going to trust that. Slow me down. Help me to hear your voice and make good decisions for my future. I trust you today, Lord. Lord, we give all this to you and we thank you for this church. We ask you to be the Lord of your church at every turn. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.